Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday evening. It's very stormy. The wind is blowing. It's coming down my chimney quite a lot. Hopefully it's not too noisy. It's been a different weekend for me this week um, as I had a, a rare Saturday off. That was because of this kind of um, convoluted, shall we call it, winter break. Um, and I was given the choice of um, which Saturday I took off and I Decided to take this one off, and then I was ill for the whole week anyway. So <laughs> bad timing. Um, Alan, you you did match of the day, didn't you? I was week? in for uh, for match of the day. It was such a weird day because one yeah. game at half twelve, hmm. and then finished for two hours from three till five, and then another game at half five, and then to do a match of the day program that lasted what thirty four minutes. Yeah, yeah it was it's the um, same last week that we yeah. had last week. It was so peculiar. <laughs> really weird. I mean, come Noel, talk about overdoing it. You're talking about Odegaard with the socks. I mean, talk about over-analyzing a situation. We had two hours spare in the afternoon. We had to do something. And you know, the other thing, the other thing as well is that um, I'm, I'm not sure people know this. You're only allowed a certain amount of time Oh. Uh, of each game. I think it's limited to something like a maximum of 12 minutes. So therefore, whereas normally we're squeezing six or eight games in and we've, we're condensing our chat into two or three minutes yeah. uh, per game, when you've just got two games and 35 minutes, you've got like 10 minutes to chat or something. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. The, I think the, 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 the it's contractual obligation not to, I think it's 12 minutes, um, but I'll check that and um, let you know in the in a future episode what about you micah what you you're not at home are you no i'm just in the, the hotel i won't tell you which hotel i'm in just in case you never know but come down on a beautiful sunday had a lovely lovely bit of food watched all the games and yeah ready for our top 10 podcast tomorrow coming That's to your right. house aren't we well, if Alan can make it, um, because obviously with this with this weather and just with flight cancellations and stuff, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed, um, uh, we'll manage to do it. I want to start with something serious. It's not for the first time we've we've discussed this before. Um, there's been a couple of racist incidents with players reporting hearing monkey noises coming from a section of of the crowd, um, both in Italy. And um, midfielder Casey Palmer, he said he received similar abuse as well at Hillsborough um, at, on another occasion. And um, the other one was Mannion, um, the goalkeeper uh, at Milan who heard uh, monkey chants early on. We've had this before and I'm, I'm very wary here, Micah, of just going, right, we've, we've, we've got a black person on our, our podcast. Because I imagine it's incredibly wearisome that soon as there's an issue, that media, that I'm sure there's a... You know, you get lots of calls, people saying, we want we want your view. I've, I've literally had about 10 emails and 10 calls. So you're absolutely spot on, Gary. And I understand why, because if, if someone who's felt it maybe has got a, a better example that they could give and a little bit of insight to what that feels like. But yeah, I think the wider point is everyone should speak about it, even if it makes them uncomfortable in terms of what's right and wrong. So... I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, um, I think for Alan and myself, it, it it's hard probably to actually understand how it must feel. It's something that really irritates me, actually, because obviously I, I you know, I'm known to speak politically occasionally, particularly for for people like refugees, etc., and those sort of things that they tend to get vilified, and and it's often I think 
probably because of the color of their skin. I find it incredibly awful and abhorrent that people are judged by the color of their skin on occasions by other people. Um, it doesn't happen to us as white people. Um, I think football in terms of internally, the dressing rooms are probably a beacon of hope in the sense of the harmonious nature of, of dressing rooms where you'll get, you know, you'll get black people, you'll get white people, you'll get people with brown skin, um, you'll get Muslims, you'll get Hindus, you'll get Christians, you'll get Catholics, you'll get all sorts of religions. And nobody in those dressing rooms thinks that way. They just think he's a good player. He's a winger. He'll cross the ball for me. He'll defend really well. And and I find it incredibly difficult that people can make a judgment on someone by the color of the skin because we're all the same. We are all, we're, we're human beings. We're all the same. Um, you wouldn't look at like some dogs walking down the road and go, oh, I don't like that one because it's, it, it's black. Or, I don't like that one because it's white. It just makes absolutely zero sense. But the problem is it does happen in football stadiums where there are large gatherings of people. And within those large gatherings, you will have, I hope, I hope, a tiny percentage of racist people. And what does football do? do with it we talked about you know how bad it is and that sort of thing on occasions but what is the answer and we talked I mean obviously it's you hope it's education we've got a young I think hopefully the young people that are growing are better educated towards it but children are not born racist it comes from somewhere um, and their influences as, as they grow up um, so that's an important thing. But, you know, people talk, don't they? Oh, this young generation, they're all a bit woke now. They're all a little bit, oh, they, they care too much. Oh, they, you know, they've got a social conscience as though it's a bad thing. Um, so, you know, not, I apologize for getting slightly political on this, but it's, it's something that, you know, when we look for the answers, if you've got people saying that that's a bad thing, it really isn't a bad thing. We know that. And that's, it's the, and, and it's the future that we, we're looking for that, that we're all, treated in the same way but what does football do let me tell you what um, the president of FIFA Gianni Infantino has had to say he said football racist abuse should trigger automatic match forfeits after abhorrent incidents and he is the president of FIFA so perhaps he could actually do something about that um, what, what are your thoughts Alan footballers have to walk off and be supported by their whole team and the opposition team but yeah, I, I mean, it, that will happen and does happen. And if they walk off and stay off, they will without doubt be supported and without doubt be the right thing to do. If they don't feel as if they want to come back on, they don't have to come back on and they still have to be supported. And if they want to stay off, stay off the football pitch to make a point. I just believe with the, with the whole racism thing, if you get racially abused um, and there's been a couple of incidences in the past where the whole country will be fined 20,000 or 40,000. And we can't generalize, you know, a whole country. We, that's what we, we can't do. Not everyone was being racist within the crowd, but these people need to be made an example of, of how to treat people. That, that, that is the point. And, what happens if you do something within life and you get a slap on the wrist, you will continue to do the same things. If you give people proper punishments and countries getting fined proper money, 
then they will invest the time to eradicate or try to help the problem. Look, we're not going to eradicate racism. We, we know people have got their views in the world and we're not going to change that. But what we can do is, is speak out about the, the differences and have the education for people to understand why it's not right. And I think that is the the key. And if you get a, a fine, which is 20 grand to a whole company, it's not, it's not doing anything. We need real punishments. Yeah, I've spoken many times with, with Ian Wright um, about this as well, Micah, and um, he's applauded the solidarity in the Milan side and urged teams to keep walking off uh, when they hear abuse and called for stronger sanctions uh, like we are. Uh, he wrote uh, on X, we did playing through it and nothing has changed. Points deductions are needed. The fines are pointless. Things will never change as they are. They, they won't, but you know what? The, the, the sad thing is, when I was growing up, and it's it's crazy because all through my professional career, I'd never been racially abused. I only got racially abused when I was younger. So I'm talking from a, a, a younger age, but what used to be said to us is like, oh, go and score a goal or go play well. That'll show them. But that's not changing anything. So when people say, oh, words, they can't affect you. I just feel it's like a, a outdated version of events like we're living in 2024 and surely we can do something more than just say you know turn the other way and that's the thing and I, I don't want to make myself like a victim and people call me well we, we, we're having a serious conversation you know as grown-ups how can we make this better not talking about oh well this happened to me with that well it did I, I deal with it in different ways and 10 years ago I would have dealt with it completely different. I'm older, wiser and maturer to just speak to these people and try and change their way of thinking or ask them why they actually think that way, you know? There's no doubt about it that um, if players walked off and stayed off, they would get the, all the support of their teammates. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. I know I haven't been in the dressing room for years, but I spent time in the dressing room for years and I, I know how players are, I know how they operate. And without doubt, if anyone decided to walk off and stay off, they would have the support of the whole of the dressing room and the manager and coaches and everything. There's no doubt yeah. about that. I, I think generally things have improved. I think the incidents are not as frequent, certainly as they were when I played. I mean, there weren't that many black players playing when I played, but I played with John Barnes. You know, we, we we saw, seems absolutely absurd, but bananas thrown on the pitch. I sat next to John Barnes on an aeroplane going to an England game. In those days, not like now when they were flying private jets and, and stuff. In those days, you just flew regular airlines to matches. Um, and I remember two England fans, oh, supposed England fans, coming down the plane and saying, you should never be allowed in an England shirt to John Barnes. And... You know, it, it was wow. It was wow. And I, I can't tell you how, I probably should say, the reaction of, of, of his teammates. As, and it would be as exactly what you would expect. Um, there was some abuse said to them and get back to the back of the plane. So where do we go from here? That I, I think what it is, as you quite rightly say, we need to keep talking about it. You need the players to keep um, addressing it. We've seen Vinicius Junior, haven't we? Keep walking off the pitch and it's and it's about awareness. I mean, it's very easy for people to say, oh, it's, you know, it's just name. People shout things at you from the touchlines anyway. Just get on with it. We can't know exactly how it, it must feel when you get that belittling 
racism thrown at you. As, as white people, we don't get that. We don't get that. So, you know, it's like people say, oh, they're still taking the knee, are they? Why, why, why are they doing that? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and until people actually eradicate this issue, then, then there's going to be a need to keep addressing it, unfortunately. And it's the last thing in the world, probably well, it's the last thing in the world we want to do, but certainly, you know, you get in 10 emails and immediately every time anything happens, Micah. You, you know, just lastly, from my point of view as well is, the fact that we're in media, I've had a, a decent career, you know, I get treated from, you know, I get treated with love from all around the world, but I'm Mike Richards in the media. You know, what about the normal person who's walking the street, you know? If players who are getting racially abused are playing for, you know, Casey Palmer, for example, you know, in the second tier of English football game, that's a bit which... I can't really comprehend. I can only talk from my experiences. So I can't tell you how the, the normal man in the, the street felt, apart from when I was going back years ago when I used to got racially abused. So I know what they feel like. And it just, it disheartens me that someone could think less of you just because of the colour of your skin, which is, it's just strange to me when the country has, has done so many good things but still we're having this issue with talking about this right now, which is, it's quite hard to fathom, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I've had conversations with, with Ian Wright about this and he gets stopped in his car every now and again by police. I've never been stopped by, I, don't, I can't recall being stopped by the police just on a, you know, apart from maybe speeding when I was about 25 or something for legitimate reasons. Um, I was talking to um, my ex, Danielle, uh, just recently. She said she was in a store in a shop and she said the security guy was following this black woman around. And she said to her, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? She said, because she's suspicious. And she's, I mean, that that kind of thing, that's that daily, even if it's a subconscious racism, which doesn't mm. not that subconscious if you ask me, but those sort of things go on. I just think football in its in itself sets a great example. The players set a great example. Um, and I think they should continue to speak out. They should continue to walk off and continue to try and make a difference that hopefully eventually will be uh, reflected uh, on society. Shall we talk about some football? Come on in, come on in. Be quite nice, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> Uh, we should probably start with with Liverpool. Um, five points clear at the top. Um, pretty impressive 4-0 away win at, at Bournemouth. A couple of goals and assists uh, for Jota. Good, weren't they? Really? Very good. Wasn't a great first half, but again, I mean, their, their strength in terms of forward positions, even without Salah, they're 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 so strong in uh, in that position. One off, one on goals. Yeah, they're they're not going away anytime soon. And City get a good result last weekend. Arsenal get a good result uh, yesterday. So it's oh, it was over to Liverpool. What can you do? Because that the way the way Bournemouth are playing, and everyone sort of looked at that and thought tough game for Liverpool going to uh, going to Bournemouth. Second half, they were magnificent. Can we talk about Jota, though? On, on a serious note, we talk about Salah so many times, but every time Jota comes on, he makes a difference. Whether he starts, he makes a difference. And yes, with Salah and what he does, rightly so, we give him the all the accolades, but 
He's unbelievable. He can play left. He can play right. He can play centre. He can drop into positions. He never moans. He works hard. He's got absolutely everything for this team. I'm, every time I'm looking at Liverpool, I'm looking at I'm thinking, Nunes, okay. Jota, all right. Um, what are they going to do without, without Salah? Diaz has not been the same level as maybe last season. And then he second half, he just turned the screw. They've got some depth up top, haven't they? Y- yeah, but... It's all right having depth, but doing it, you know, doing it with, in, in the vital moments when, because anyone can score, say Bournemouth had scored two and Jot had scored, anyone can score, can do that when there's no pressure. He's doing it and assisting when there's pressure on him. His assist for Nunes' goal was, was marvelous. One touch, beautiful team goal. And I just think he needs to start getting the, the credit he deserves because he's a fantastic player, really is especially for the disguise and the brilliance of the fainted shot for his second goal. <laughs> for those of you who didn't see it, he had an absolute miskick. And when, when things are going for it, they're going for it. And it flicked straight into his path yeah. and he, uh, he knocked it in. They're going to take some pegging back this season. They're, you know, He's good Klopp, isn't he? He's, 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 he's better, isn't he? he's better isn't than he? good, by the way. He yeah. is such a brilliant manager. He's unbelievable. Yeah, very, very, very good. He's the sort of manager that would probably drive you mad if you were playing against him, you know, because he, he can get a little bit rated on the on the touchline, but you'd want to play for him, wouldn't you? Because you can see at the end, he hugs the player. They, yeah, but you, really know, you, you know, you see, he gets a bit on the touchline. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, I know it's sometimes annoying, but. You know, if you're a Liverpool fan, you must love that if oh, you're a Liverpool absolutely. fan. Love is passion. Love is care and attention to detail and everything else for their football club. That, As a fan, that's what you want on the touchline from your manager. I'm not even taking a mickey out, but you know when you as a manager on that sideline, can you, can you talk us through what that was like, that emotion? What do you mean you're not even taking the mickey <laughs> Do you know what he says? I'm not going to take the mickey, but... You could have just, you could have just said to him, Michael, what's it like standing on the sidelines? Because line? I knew you would come up with some ridiculous remark, guys. So I, I protected you to start at the front end. You know what I mean, Alan? Said, Go on. Oh, I'm not trying to be funny here, Alan, no. but fuck off. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> The great thing is, Al, you're getting close to my age and then you'll have forgotten it anyway. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm 15 years behind you. 10. <laughs> All right, 10, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Go yeah, on, answer his question. Seriously, the emotion on the touchline. It's um, Everything goes through you, Micah. It's, um, I mean, you feel everything when, when you concede. It's like, oh my God, the world's caving in. When you score, it's like, this is just outrageous the feeling and yeah it's it's very very special and did you very, did you try and difficult. hide your emotion at all, particularly perhaps when yeah. you concede because yeah. sometimes you just want to go oh, yeah you do I yeah. mean you can't yeah you have to yeah but it's like it honestly it's like because it, I appreciate what although I, I I only I only did it what eight times but the everything that runs through your body is just incredible. The feeling is like immensely proud, it's like because you've you've got your you've got your city or your club on on your back. Everything's depending on you and us, the players. But you're making all of the decisions, and of course, the fans. You're never going to get everyone that's going to agree with you, but 
it's oh yeah the feeling's just incredible it's just staggering yeah did you ever fall out with a, like a, a manager that was just a few yards away? I know it's different then because nah, now I they've got the little but, boxes. I, I, that yeah, I couldn't. Um, I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. That I was only been in for two months, hadn't I? So I couldn't, as if give it the big one on the touchline, as what, if to what, say. Well, you <laughs> did score two hundred and sixty-one bloody goals <laughs> in the Premier League, Al. So you, you could give it the big one. No. Nah, what was your gear? Uh, what was your gear, Al? Did you did suit, you go suit, suit and tie? Suit and tie, yeah. Suit yeah. and tie. Why is that not a surprise? Yeah. <laughs> suit and Should have gone yeah. tracksuit. Might have won a game I know, yeah, I did. I did think that when I lost, so I changed tracksuit. Yeah. And you realise it meant absolutely zilch whether you had a tracksuit or a suit. Yeah. Liverpool's next two games. Go on. Chelsea at home and Arsenal away. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's a that's a, a big couple of weeks coming up uh, for them. The slight concern for Liverpool, obviously, is they'll be watching the um, Africa Cup of Nations and and Mo Salah getting injured. Look like little tweak of the hamstring. They're talking about the fact that he might be probably back for the quarterfinals. But you know what it's like in these competitions. If they push, Liverpool will be thinking, "Oh, don't push him back too early, won't they?" But you know, it's so important to to all of those players. They're representing your country. That you know that sometimes he might push it. Let's hope he's okay because yep. you know we we want to see him playing in that tournament. We want to see him playing in the Premier League uh, as well. The other game today, that was sort of very entertaining, actually, wasn't it? The um, Sheffield United and West Ham game, um, kind of end-to-end um, stuff, including including Ollie McBurney's penalty in the 103rd minute that was the latest ever Premier League goal scored. Is that right? I heard that. Yeah, heard that. Wow, wow, stats. Okay. Really good stats. Who, who scored for Sheffield United as well? Bereton Diaz, Micah, who you said that Aston Villa should sign. In all honesty, he's not scored in in about 23 games or something like that. Last season, he was very good. Uh, went on loan to Villarreal, didn't really work out. But you can see he's a fox in a box and just something to take the, the weight off uh, Watkins, I thought would have been nice. But Chef United have got him. And I'm telling you, if he's given a chance, he will score your goals. I wonder why Unai Emery didn't listen to you. <laughs> 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 West Ham will be gutted though, won't they? Lose yeah. a goal. That, that, Did you that think it late. was a pen? Can we talk about the decisions? There were some appalling decisions Whoa. in this game. Yeah, I've, no. some appall- I even wrote them down on my phone in my notes. Go on, read your notes to us. So Mike. there was a, the the ha- Hamer foul on Ings for the penalty. That was a penalty. We agree on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ariola into McBurney has never been a foul in the history of football. (laughs) And it was Ahmed Homage on Bowen. He's got two arms round him for a penalty that was never given. VIA, of course, a look at everything, VAR, but he wasn't given. What is going on? What is going on, guys? Well, I uh, I didn't think it was a penalty either. Was it? Was it? I mean, he did make the most of it without doubt. I agree with you there. Was it? Absolute howler, but oh, I don't know. It's like, That's the thing. Who who decides whether it's an absolute howler? <laughs> yeah, but I, come on, it's, it's ridiculous now. I think. Well, they are do actually. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's it's an it's annoying now because us as pundits or whatever, and we get we see one decision and we say, okay, we can agree what their thinking was behind that, and then the next week is completely different. So there's zero consistency throughout the decision. So when when you ask us on match of the day, Gary, do you think that was a penalty? Well, I don't know because 
the refs are giving one and another week they're giving another. So I don't know. It's quite fascinating the fact that um, I, was, I was following the Real Madrid game today, which was pretty remarkable. They were 2-0 down at home to Almeria, who had only got seven points all season, I think. They were bottom of the table. There were all sorts of kind of shenanigans and dodgy decisions that, that went against Almeria. And um, I saw a, a tweet from um, Dale Johnson, who's the kind of, is it still called a tweet? I think it's just called a post now, isn't it? Um, and he was he was quoting about how, um, I think it was the Almeria coach was saying something along the lines of, VAR in this, it's, it's, an abs- it's, it's so bad. It's so far behind the Premier League. And, and, and Dale Johnson was saying, I think everybody in their own country thinks their VAR is worse than anywhere else. And I think the fact is that globally... Everyone thinks VAR is shit all over the world. Globally, it just yeah. doesn't work. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's shit. <laughs> and just before we, we, we did the podcast, we, we had a look at um, the, the Real Madrid equaliser to make it 2-2, two, two, scored by Vinicius Junior, where he actually whacks it in with his arm. The referee disallowed it and the VAR told him to go to the monitor (laughs) and they overturned it and they gave a goal. And it's, I mean, try and see it somewhere. (laughs) Look it up on on social media. Now I understand his anger and his words, what he said at the end of the game. Oh my word. It's 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 unbelievable. But those of us that that, that played over there know that Real Madrid are favoured. They're favoured. Conspiracy theorist over here. Okay. Well, I did play for Barcelona, Michael. So, so, uh, that, that, that's how we think in Barcelona. Um, that's for sure. Um, let's have a break. <laughs> Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker. Let's discuss Saturday's games now and uh, a return to form uh, for Arsenal. A couple of late goals for for Martinelli after he came off uh, the bench in a a pretty comfortable 5-0 victory. Very good on set plays. Uh, I thought Arsenal had lost, what, three of their five previous Premier League games uh, before the winter break. Had a bit of sunshine in in Dubai and it looks like it's done them a bit of good. They were better, miles better actually, in every single department from the first minute to the last minute than than Crystal Palace, who I thought were really woeful. Too strong for them at set pieces, bullied them at set pieces. Then once they got those, it was just a matter of how many they were going to get. So um, back to winning ways for Arsenal. Palace, dreadful. I've got an admission to make, Alan. I, 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 I went to bed early and I fell asleep <laughs> and, and a mismatch of the day. Well, what was the thing What was the thing you did? Odegaard's socks, was it? Yeah. Like I said earlier. I'm like, what? I, 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 I have no idea what that. What, what did you talk about his socks You're for? Watching your old shows, Gary. Oh my lord! He's being poorly, Michael. We'll we'll forgive him. I mean, come on! I get one Saturday off a season. I'm entitled to one early Saturday night. I, I couldn't even. I would have gone out if I'd have so, been well so enough. So what, what happened was is that um, because we had two two hours off in the afternoon, we would just watch the what basically watch the game again. And one of the guys said, "Have you seen Odegaard on the edge of the 18 yard box when?" Whenever they get a corner, whichever side, he's bending down and touching his right leg or his socks, pulling his socks up. And they thought, maybe that's the trigger for where the ball's going to go. And I said, 
Maybe his fucking elastics been snapped in his sock or something like that. Was this your was this your analysis? Uh, well, it was part of Ashley, not my Ashley's analysis. Actually, oh, not look mine. Him, he's busting uh, the <laughs> And it wasn't that. Hang on, I, I need to know. Did you? What was the answer? Did you think it is a sign for what they freak it, put doing that or not? forward as an alternative or something that may be happening? Ashley didn't say that was the trigger. He said it's we, maybe nothing. Maybe we're jumping to conclusions. Maybe we've had too many hours off in the afternoon. <laughs> but look you at the way Odegaard is pulling his socks up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Do you know what? I often get people like I've got a couple of friends who watch a lot of football and they go, Why does the person that's taking the corner always stick his arm up in the air? And I go, Well, he's a signal for the corner that they're about to take. And I thought, how can you not how can you not know that? Yeah, what I would say though is they are bloody good at uh, at corners, at set pieces Arsenal, even before Saturday's game. They had no one had scored more goals from set pieces than uh, than Arsenal, so they obviously work at it. Then they're obviously very strong at it because there's so many things you know that have to be right to to get a set piece or a corner right. The ball, the run, the desire to get on the end of it, all of those things. So yeah, they they're good at it, very very good at it. It's funny because Martinelli came on and he, he he scored the fourth goal, his first, and I nipped to the loo. And and I came back and I sat down and I saw the goal again and I thought, no, oh, yeah, good. Fi- it was a good finish. It was a good finish. And then this, I looked up at the score. It was five nil. I honestly, genuinely <laughs> thought it was a replay of his previous goal. <laughs> I'm getting old. Oh, what an idiot! You're getting oh. old. What do you mean you're getting old? You are old. <laughs> I can't wait till you're my age. <laughs> And then what happened? A minute later, you went back to the toilet again, did you? <laughs> oh, don't, don't. Oh, God. And isn't your, doesn't your carer take care of that? Doesn't, doesn't, shouldn't they? No. However good the carer is, if I, if I had a carer, Alan, I don't think they can actually pee for you. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Just tell them yeah. to change your pads while you're watching the yeah. match. Yeah. It's, well, they, you know, they do change the clostomy bag occasionally <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's, it's not that far off either is it really oh. but anyway um, trouble is brewing at Crystal Palace isn't it the fans um, started to show their frustrations um, towards the end of the game there was a mm. huge banner wasn't there in the away end that read uh, I think it was wasted potential on and off the pitch weak decisions taking us backwards now uh, Palace have won just one of their last 11 Premier League games, 14th in the table. We had, obviously, Steve Parrish, their chairman, as a as a, as a a guest recently when you know things were going pretty well at that stage. But, I mean, they've been in the Premier League a, a, a long time now and um, sometimes, sometimes the grass is greener on the other side, isn't it? I, I mean, I don't know. Fans obviously have the right. They're the ones that pay the money. They go to the games. They're frustrated. and But they're 14th in the table. They're not 19th. But, I mean, I've got some friends that are Palace fans and, they, they, you know, I think they get a bit, bit frustrated and as we all do with our football team, don't we? Well, he was brought in last season, wasn't he, to do a job. Last 10 games of the season. And I think when you look at the fixtures, there were favourable fixtures, weren't they? We remember when Vieira got biffed, didn't he? And then Roy came in and there were great fixtures. But he did a great job in every department this season. All the stats are down from from last season. So you can, you can sort of understand the frustration of the fans. But 
Well, you know, and you look at the bigger picture in terms of them, them being a regular in the Premier League. Not got into any difficulties, no, no troubles know. with, you know, financial fair play and all the, all the rules and, yeah. It's a, I think it's probably a well-run club. I mean, and, you know, obviously they're limited in terms of the stadium and in, in terms of revenue. Can they realistically compete um, with 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 clubs much further a, above them? It's always going to be tough, isn't it? Because the Premier League seems to be getting harder every year, especially we talked about the, the gap from the top teams to, to the bottom teams. But I think what the fans are saying is, you know, Hodgson's done a brilliant job, even going and then coming back and he's got that stability within the club but now they want to look to the future and Roy's not going to be there for you know I hope five, Roy makes years. the decision himself that's yeah. what I of would course, like of to course. see it, it'd be yeah. nice it'd yeah. be nice if they just you know at the end of the season if that's what they want to do and then look to the future I think he's a good guy Steve I think he'll he he will appreciate what Roy is and who he is and what he's achieved and he will without doubt I think let him make a decision if a decision needs to be made absolutely got to talk about Ivan Tony. what a comeback it's, no but this is honest to God you would think that the Beatles are coming back or something <laughs> I've never seen so much coverage for a player coming back in the whole of the <laughs> as I can remember it's every every day yeah. every Every single day, Tony, who Tony's got, oh, his price is going up. What's he going to be like? He's got a hat trick in the under 23s game. Oh, the um, wish has gone on African nations. What's he going to be like? And it's, it's been a constant and fair play to him. Yeah. He stepped up, he didn't he? Brilliant, he really he? did. Step up. Yeah. So you've got to give him his credit. Now I know that the 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 Forest defending from the free kick was was absolutely hopeless. I mean, it was it was useless. But his his little way, he got some of the the referee's paint or whatever it is, the spray, and shifted it and white did a white line while they were all not looking, and then moved the ball a foot, um, which you know may or may not have made um, the difference. Was I? I mean, I know it's you know people are saying, oh yeah, but should that's cheating and all that? I don't know. I mean, players from you know forever have put the ball in a in a like a different slightly different position have tried to sneak it perhaps a little bit close to the goal that's always been done but I've never seen anyone put a little bit of the white spray <laughs> it was genius and then after doing that because I remember I was watching when he did it and I thought Christ, that's clever. And then he, and I thought, well, cool, if he bends it around the wall now, that'd be amazing. And then he did, and I actually jumped out of my chair. I thought, that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> the Forest fans are going to come for you two laughing at their team. Well, and Forest fans always happened. come for me anyway. I'm a Leicester man. Shouldn't be team. laughing. Yeah, no, no, yeah oh it, was, it was schoolduggery or shithousery or whatever you want to call it. But I have to say that was, I mean, it was very, very clever. All players look to try and gain some sort of advantage, don't they? Whether they've been fouled and then moving the ball further forward, whether you're trying to take another 10 yards from a throw-in or whether you're trying to move the ball off a yard or a yard further from the free kick so you gain that advantage. All footballers do that, don't they? Of course they do. Referee, it's the referee's job to see it. It's a referee's and job and a Forest player's. Exactly, but how many times have you been in a wall, Al? You must have been in a wall. Yeah, all the time. As soon as the referee turns his back, 
You just take one pace forward, don't you, to get a little bit closer to where the free kick's being taken from. But what I couldn't believe is the last man on the wall, if he looks round, just turns round, just turns round. So you don't have to be like a scientist to understand that. If you can turn round and the ball can be curled on the outside of you, all you do is move Move across. I was like... Isn't it normally the goalkeeper's job to line up the wall? No, though, Gary. It? No, the goalkeeper will have a look to see whether the defenders in the wall have lined the wall up co- correctly. Now they can he, they can see where the ball is. So it, because the, the goalkeeper can actually get done, you know, if they take want to take a quick free kick if he's lining the wall up sometimes. So that's when it's then the defenders in the wall. It's their job. Either the end guy or the one in from the end. It's their job to line up, so it's they know where the ball is. So uh, yeah, it was it it was it was poor from the Forest players. But I, I, just, I just again, I, I don't understand. So if you're taking a free kick, which Tony is right footed, you overcompensate on the other side. They went the other way. I don't. I don't <laughs> I know, under- it was mad. I don't. Under- the keeper's got that side covered. That's the whole point. It was it was madness, madness. Yeah, it's, it's an important victory for Brentford because they've you know they've been struggling of late and they they needed that and their talisman was was back. Not that you know, but it was brilliant. Even at the, when he scored his goal, he's running over to Thomas Frank, isn't he, and all that. It was I. It was like the you know big homecoming, wasn't it? All, eight months out of football. I know people say, well, you shouldn't joke because you know he broke the rules and all this and stuff. I mean, I'm always a little bit wary of the the gambling and the punishments for footballers for gambling when gambling is all over every football loads of football clubs have got it's on their shirts it's on the Brentford shirts exactly and then you go well hang on a minute (laughs) some double standards here but you know rules are rules players know that he broke them he was punished fair enough he's come back it's not you know it's not crime of the century but um, he was punished. He came back, and the interesting thing now will be the next couple of weeks, and whether he he, he looked very happy at, at when he scored, and at Brentford, and the way he's been treated, and he did and say in love. an interview, though, didn't he, pre the game, that um, he would like to play for a bigger club, or if a bigger club came in, didn't? Well, he? at so- least he was honest. What is he? Twenty eight, twenty nine. You know, with all due respect here, all players want to play for, for, for one of the Giants, don't they? He's a player though, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's the way really he, good. I love it. His, his hold-up play is what, not surprised me, but I, I'm looking at him thinking he, he gets hold of everything, links it up nicely. It, we wouldn't say he's the quickest, but he's a strong enough yeah, runner. Yeah. Always gets in the right position, great in the air, and he can finish so... Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot. Fair play to him. I really rate him. I think I, I think he's an exceptional footballer. I think he's really good, and he's something a little bit different as well. And he'll score goals anywhere. I think the Brentford fans would love to see him stay until the end of the season, even if it's a gesture. And then I think they'd all say, and I saw a lot of them say this, and I thought it's fair enough. Give us to the end of the season. And then, yes, go and play for a big club because you, you you deserve it at, at, at that. Um, let's switch to, to to the championship briefly. Big game, I say tomorrow, but we're doing this on Sunday night. So it's actually um, when you hear us, um, it will be tonight. Big game at, um, I nearly said Filbert Street then, <laughs> um, at the King Power. Um, Leicester against Ipswich, um, first against, well, third now because Southampton. Southampton, that's what I wanted to talk about. They're flying. And also Leeds, good result for them. They scored. 
scored. I was watching that. I've watched a lot of football over the last week. Um, they scored that a, a penalty in the ninety fourth minute. It was it was I was a really entertaining game, and it was you know quite passionate and and feisty and um, and Leeds. I, I kept thinking Leeds are going to nick this. Leeds are going to nick this, and um, and they did at the end. As for Southampton, what about them? Three one win uh, at Swansea uh, sets a new club record of twenty one games without defeat they're now second they've had an incredible run uh, Russell Martin uh, could be a, a manager to watch he, I think he started was it Milton Keynes uh, he certainly went to Swansea um, I think he was the first manager there to to win two derbies against Cardiff in one season I think in about 100 odd years or or something um, they play real possession based football and I think um, they've got a lad on loan from Man City Micah Taylor Harwood Bellis, have you seen him at all? Harwood Bellis, yes. Yeah. He was at Burnley. He was at Burnley, yeah, with Vincent. Burnley, yeah. yes. Him uh, was at the back and it was brilliant there. And I thought he might actually get a, a move to the, the Premier League, a Premier League loan, to be honest. But yeah, he's, he's a quality player, centre-half. And yeah, it's good to see him doing well because it's difficult for a young player to play centre-half when there's so much responsibility on him. But he's thriving He'll be a, a very good Premier League player yeah. one day. You've got Leicester, you've got Southampton now one and two, and Leeds not far behind. You know, there's got that the parachute thing, haven't you? Which is vital, makes a big difference. Is it a bit unfair on the rest of the teams in the in the Championship? And also, I suppose the thing is, when you've been relegated like those three clubs, it's it's vital that you bounce back quickly, isn't it? Well, they're gonna they do because of the situation of being relegated, and you have to invest when you come up. Otherwise, you you're basically going to go straight back down. At least you can have a bit of a try. So. In terms of the parachute payment, that's what it's there for, to try and help you over the next, what is it, three years they get they get paid for. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge advantage for those uh, for those clubs, which is why we see a lot go down and, and sort of come, come back up. I'm just hoping Leicester make it back up. I mean, they're going really well. They're playing great football. We've never seen you. We've never heard you talk about Leicester so much. You're really enjoying being top of that league and winning game after game. Are you sure you want to come up? I want to win the league, win a trophy, and then have the choice of whether you can stay up or go up, <laughs> should say, or or go or stay where you are. Um, isn't it? It's actually it's, it's food for thought, isn't it? Because you do win a lot of games. The only trouble is, and because I. You know, I don't live in Leicester now. And so I don't get to see as many games. They're not on telly quite as much as as they were. And obviously when I was doing Match of the Day, I'd see them every Saturday. If they weren't playing on Saturday, they'd, they'd be on telly on a Sunday or even a Monday night or a Friday night. So you see all the games and, and, and that's the difference. You don't see all the, the matches anymore. But in terms of like the stretch, it's, it's been really quite enjoyable so far. But even now, you know what it's like as a football fan, don't you? Obviously, they're miles clear. They're going really well. They're playing great football. They've got a squad that, frankly, is 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 better than championship level squad. They've got so many good players. I know they lost a few players in the um, in the summer, but um, overall, if you look look at the quality, they've got a lot of Premier League players, and they've got a big squad that will cope with a few injuries and and also losing players like they've done to 
the Africa Cup of Nations. So, but you know what it's like when you're a football fan. You always think, oh crikey, if if if, if we um if we lose to Ipswich, then everyone's getting a little bit closer and it'll all get a bit tense. So I'm thinking, I'll you know, as long as they don't lose against Ipswich, I'll I'll be pretty confident that Leicester will go up. He was on radio today, wasn't he? I heard you. you with Colin Murray. I was with Colin yeah, Murray. He's great, Colin. Yeah, we just we did about I don't know about half an hour on Leicester, my favourite subject. It was yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, uh, it was. It's nice. Um, I want to finish with Germany because Germany's gone quite interesting because Bayern Munich have won the won the league for about 18,000 years on the bounds. <laughs> um, obviously, Harry Kane's gone there and he's been absolutely brilliant. He, you know, I think he equaled Robert Lewandowski's record for the halfway stage of a season, even though I didn't know that was such a thing, um, that kind of record. But Bayer Leverkusen, my goodness me, they were they were behind uh, in the game um, that they played at, at Leipzig, which was a tough one away from home. And, and 91st minute winner after being behind twice in that game. Now, they are unbeaten uh, this season. 15 wins and, and three draws. Obviously, Bayern Munich are out the cup. And I, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, Harry's gone there. <laughs> He's jinx, I, he's a jinx. I, you can't call it. I mean, I just, it's like you, Alan. Oh you self accolades, isn't it? All about you, 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 you. Oh. He'll, he'll break all the records. Can you imagine if he doesn't win the title by Munich? Oh, my word. He will, he will. He's seven will. points behind. Seven points. I think they've got one game in hand. But the way Bayer Leverkusen, Javi Alonso, what, I mean. Doing it incredibly. Unbelievable. Eh? What a manager he's, he's, he's proving to be already. I mean, he's, he seems to have something. So many good Spanish coaches. And I think they all come from that little area, one of those Basque towns. There's quite a few of them from the same place. What a job he's doing, eh? Incredible. Have you seen him in training as well on online on, no. on the clips online? So you know the the usual sort of cross and shoot exercise, and he's just zinging forty yard balls just <laughs> out to the winger, and he's, he looks like he still could play. He's in great shape. He's just oh, I, I would love to play under a manager like that. He's just he's just got everything. Who's his class? Have you seen much of Florian Verts? 20-year-old no. German. He kind plays quite high up, wide on the yeah. um, left-hand side. He is going to be a player, I'm telling you. I've seen him play a few mm. times now and he, he's got so much talent. I really like him. Yeah, I think he's played quite, about, about, maybe 18 games, something like that for, for, for the German national side already and he's only 20. He's, he's, he looks a little bit special to me. Certainly one to look out for uh, in the Euros this summer as well as the rest of this this particular season. Mike has already recommended him to Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll claim in about six months' time, did I told you? Told I was you like, about told, you, told you about him, didn't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, on, on that note, um, we'll, we'll call it a day. That's all we've got time for um, on The Rest is Football. We'll be back on Wednesday with your question and answer episode and if you haven't done so already uh, don't forget to sign up to our completely free newsletter just go to therestisfootball.com you can submit your questions for us to answer through the newsletter and we'll get through as many as we can on the next episode uh, we'll see you soon uh, goodbye from me goodbye from me goodbye from me have a good week <laughs>